Coming to you from the Carolina coast, it's the Coastal Carolina Fishing Podcast with Captain Tim Wilson, your source for the latest in saltwater fishing. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on the Coastal Carolina Fisherman podcast. We are really privileged this week to have a guy that I have spoken with before, and it was a great interview last time, and I know he'll do the great job that he did before. We have Mark Nichols with DOA Lures. Mark, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, thanks. The last time I talked with you was just a couple of days ago. You were telling me that the snook bite down in Florida is fantastic. Is it still holding up good? Well, I haven't fished since today. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, it is still good. We uh, okay. we caught some real, we caught some. Uh, we're actually fishing for tarpon today, but some snook got in the way, so we caught them. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday and day before, we had we were on a really good snook bite. Um, tarpon are just starting to show up good. The snook are really wonderfully stupid right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got you still got to work to find them, of course. Uh, but once you find them, uh, you should be able to do some numbers of them. And uh, actually, my friend uh, that's up here from North Carolina, there, Dave Stewart, he uh, caught an eight-pound trout. Another young friend that's with us over here, uh, he hasn't been put in jail yet. We hadn't got him in that much trouble. But uh, <laughs> I think that there's, uh, I think he caught, what, a four or five-pound trout, and uh We've actually caught several nice trout. Uh, also, Dave Stewart caught the biggest croaker I have ever seen. Oh, right. Now, t- tell me about how big the croaker was. I just got to ask. I would say, I mean, this is my uh, this is my pretty educated guesstimate. I'd say it was over three pounds. You know, it was wow. pushing four. It was a gigantic. We, I was laughing. I mean, I thought we're noted for having some good croaker here. As a matter of fact, the world record is a little over four pounds, and it comes from uh, the St. Lucie River, right where, uh, right where we were fishing for the snook. I don't know. I think Dave's pretty lucky. Some of those Carolina guys, you know, get lucky sometimes. And, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Hold on just a minute. No, Mark, they're not <laughs> lucky. They're just good. <laughs> they seem to live it and breathe it pretty good, so that's a good thing. There you go. There you breathe go. It. We've been fishing hard, and we've been, you know, throwing everything from our, you know, classic just a cow shad style bait, uh, catching a lot of snook with it. We've caught a number of them with our bait busters. We've also done well with that, with my terrorize, which is always very consistent. Been okay, some- now, now I understand that DOA has a new lure out, your, your 2.75 freshwater and saltwater shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how long has that been on the market? Okay. About a year, maybe a hair more. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. You, you're the guy that really just you, – you came up and developed the, the first artificial shrimp uh, that really hit the market a number of years ago. Is that correct? That I, They tell me that's correct. <laughs> okay. And well, I we're going to give you that because I've never heard anybody that. argue with that. No, I guess I wouldn't argue with it either. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I think we all agree that, that, that your innovation there – Really, for for a great part, light tackle fishing, it kind of changed light tackle fishing. I mean, uh, I, I remember I've been in the business for 25 years or so, and, and you know, we used a lot of live bait back then. And now it's just to the point that where pretty much plastics is all that's out there, thanks to innovators like yourself and, and coming up with the live bait or, or the artificial bait 
um, uh, kind of innovation there, you kind of turn the uh, turn the fishing around a little bit, uh, don't you think? Well, you know, the, the things that I did that I didn't think were any big deal were, you know, I thought of what I wanted in a lure. And so I made what I wanted in a lure. First, I made it out of silicone because I could do it in my backyard and I could play around with it and get better and better before I learned about, you know, my injection machines and that sort of thing. But first was was an education of balance and finesse. You know, I'd come from Colorado where I was, you know, crawling on my belly on the stream that's, you know, make one good cast of the trout million behind a rock uh, to uh, fishing in Texas, pulling a shrimp net using, you know, every live bait that ever swam. So when I moved to Florida, I wanted that shrimp to have a very natural swim. And since I had a, since I helped my dad pull shrimp nets, I knew how shrimp swam pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, people think they flip their tails. They do when they're trying to get away. When they're dumb and stupid, they've got 19 peddler fins, and they just swim along, and that's what I wanted my shrimp, shrimp to do. So I didn't think of it as being creative at all. It just was what, it was, to me, it was just a natural progression of what I wanted. And then later, you know, they said, hey, you, you designed something. And uh, to me, I didn't. I just made something that made sense. If that makes sense to you, it makes total sense. And the same, I think, is true when we look at the, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, the clackers out there. You know, I I didn't see clackers years ago, and then you came out with your line of clackers, and I started to see it. And I, yeah, and I admit I wasn't one of the first to grab it out there. And then it wasn't long before I had to. And uh, I mean, if you go out in, in my garage right now and you you look at my rig sitting up there, that's what's tied to it right now, and has been for years. And I think right. that was, even though it was used in other places, I think you were the one that really took it nationwide and, and worldwide. Um, and I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on that one either. We've got a really good following of people, geographically speaking, you know, from, you know, up in Virginia through the Carolinas really well. We've got really nice folks that I've been with for a long time and that don't just, you know, blow smoke up your rear. They're sincere. They give us good feedback. And we've worked with them and, uh, we all kind of learn together. You know, we design baits by getting input from other people and by fishing as much as we possibly can. At least that's my excuse for going fishing all the time. <laughs> and I tell you what, for you, those of you out there that don't realize, every time I call Mark, he's fishing. Every time I get on the phone with him, he the first call is he's fishing or getting in the truck or, or somewhere just coming from fishing because let me tell you something, he, he practices – uh, his art. I mean, he, he designs these lures after looking exactly, like he said earlier, he, he tries to figure out what he wants and he designs the lures around that. And that's, it's not just a shot in the dark. It's from a lot of casting, a lot of fishing and a lot of experience out there. How many years you've been fishing uh, on saltwater, Mark? I'm 68 years old. Um, of what I'm absolutely aware of, I remember being scared having the crap scared out of me when I was young, when I was weight fishing in uh, Galveston, uh, I, in uh, the Gulf of Mexico at night with finger schools of finger mullet coming at me in the bioluminescent light. And it scared the dog dude out of me, and I spied at that time. And I'm positive I was fishing before that because I know I was fishing before that. My dad was waiting out on the second bar and I would have drowned to try to get out there at five. So I was fishing the first bar and, uh, 
learning that it was it was still better <clears throat> it was still better to fish and not catch anything to go stand on the beach and get eaten by mosquitoes. So, so I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I stuck with it. My dad, uh, I owe my I owe my dad a lot. He's gone, but I owe him a lot for uh, basically getting me in the outdoors. There you go. Yeah, a lot of us do the same thing. I owe my grandfather an awful lot for the same thing. So right. tell us what's what the latest is at DOA. Tell us what you guys have got in the works or just just rolled out. I'm actually looking at the PT7 topwater right now, uh, and it's pretty cool looking bait. It looks like it would be pretty deadly. It casts a country mile. You can throw it in the thickest garbage in the world. If you got loose floating grass, if you're throwing a lily pad, if you throw it up on a bank, if you got, you know, I don't know. You know, I designed it because I knew there was a niche that needed a good weedless walking topwater that would rattle and have a decent hookup percentage because most of the weedless, you know, topwaters, their hookup percentage is terrible. And uh, right. I, mine basically, you know, where if you're looking at that bait where the hook exits out the back and where the hook comes through the body, it's hollow. Therefore, you're not restricting the the hooks, hook set ability because you're not tearing on plastic to get the hook in the fish's mouth. And the, right. deep, the deep gap of the hook, I guess on a podcast, I don't know if I should be saying if you're looking at something, I just realized, but, uh, but. In, the, in that bait, it looks very much like the original Zara spook, but it's done with a single hook and saw plastic and basically a hollow bait. So with the weight of the hook and the deep gap gives me better hook exposure because when that fish strikes, it pushes that, that deeper gap that's lower in the body up and allows me to get a better hookup percentage. So we're really pleased with that bait. The 2.75 in the saltwater market is doing well, and the reason being is because a lot of folks, the original shrimp that I designed, I can I love fishing it in a in a tidal situation because it sweeps beautifully and will stay very neutral in the water. If I'm drifting a flat and I've got people fishing out of the boat, the 2.575 has a considerably faster drop rate. It has more lead and less plastic. Therefore, it's going to drop much faster. Therefore, it gets down quicker. If you're fishing in wind, it allows that bait to get down more quickly. The average fisherman, in many cases, doesn't let the bait get to where it should be before they start working it, and this bait helps get it there more quickly so that it lends itself to uh, more user-friendly, I think. Wow, you got it all covered, it sounds like. Now, let me ask you this. We're we're getting ready to get a bonita season up here. We've got about well, actually about another four days is what we figure. We always figure you pay your taxes and you go uh, go uh, Atlantic bonita fishing. Mm. What what in your line would you recommend for our guys uh, heading out in the next couple of days, a couple of miles offshore, and trying to get in those Atlantic bonita? They're going to be trolling. No, most of them are going to be casting. They're going to be chasing the the bait balls and okay. uh, casting just okay. past them, pulling through them. Sure. If that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, we do a ton of them on our terrorize, and I would do, we make a three eighth ounce head that goes in our middle sized terrorize. We make a small, middle, and large. The middle is what I throw 90% of the time. It's got line entry on top, so it holds down real well, so you can start really ripping it. You know, of course, if you're just wanting the cheap thrills, 
then I would put something like the PT on and chunk it out there if they're boiling on the surface and start cranking it across the surface. And that's, you know, getting that topwater strike at with uh, 300 boneheads is really fun. I love Bonita because, you know, you can catch one of them and go, okay, you know, you guys can catch all the rest. <laughs> they there you go. They pull back really good. They're fun fish. I love them. Yeah, they're a lot of fun here. They're here for just maybe three to four weeks, and and then we're gone with them. And uh, but we we haven't seen a lot of them close in. They should be coming off the North Carolina coast anytime. I understand the South Carolina guys are catching them by about thirty miles offshore right now. So we, uh, we 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 hope they'll be listening to this and you know drop by and pick up some of the terrorize or the or the uh, or the PTs because I would love to try the PT out there on one. I mean, I it's, would. It's, I think that would be a lot of fun. You oh yeah, have a ball with it. I mean, it just it casts a country mile. I mean, it weighs a little over five eighths of an ounce, but it's got no wind resistance to it at all. So you can chunk it a country mile, and you know when you're when you're fun fishing with that kind of fish, you want to use heavy enough tackle where you can beat them, but you can also get away with you know some lighter tackle that you can really have a ball with those fish. Exactly. You know, I, they're kind of my favorite to go out there and catch. This is one of the few times I actually get a chance to go out there. But uh, I'm going to try in the next week or so to get out, and I'm going to be sure and have one of those PTs. I think that would be uh, really be a blast to, to use on those. Uh, you know, back again, we're, we're, we're talking about even doing some uh, uh, some light tackle fishing with the trout that we've got down here. What's going to be your pick? I'm pretty sure it's going to have something to do with the shrimp. Well, the shrimp is always going to be good. But again, you know, and you do have some tides where you're going to be fishing. But also, uh, you know, I always consider, you know, my statement I say when I do a ton of seminars is, is if you're a good jig fisherman, you can catch fish almost anywhere. And I believe that to be true. And, you know, you'll get anywhere from a, a 1 16th, but in many cases, 1 8th ounce jig head with one of our shad tails. Uh, one of my go-to colors is uh, Arkansas Glow. I can take that bait virtually anywhere, and it catches fish. I'm a believer with a lot of baits that, say, have a chartreuse tail. You know, the Carolina sprays for a gazillion years has been, if it, it ain't no use, if it ain't chartreuse. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, chartreuse is, a, you know, we've been doing a lot of fishing in Texas as well. Chartreuse, you know, is uh, basically it's an attractor. You know, you can have you can go for a total finesse presentation, or you can go for something where you're covering a lot of water and you want something the fish is going to see. And chartreuse is 90 parts yellow and 10 parts green, and it's, it it picks up light extremely easily. Well, so, I have to say, I'm a big trout fisherman. I haven't done it as much as I would like in the last couple of years, but I'm sitting here looking right now at your chartreuse uh, uh, shad. Yuri Patel Shad. <laughs> Excuse me. It is that is my my go to. I got to tell you. I mean, that's the first one I'm going to be casting with, and uh, I fish in the Brunswick River, just off the Cape Fear River, and right. that's uh, and I probably I don't remember too many times that I ever changed it. You can speed up your retrieve, keep it high. You can keep it low. You can jig it. You can you can swim it. You know, it, it allows you to do a whole bunch of things with the bait, which is in many cases, you know. We'll be fishing and doing what we think is the perfect presentation, and then you'll start cranking back real fast, and the fish will eat, and you'll go, oh, wait a minute, maybe I ought to be speeding up a little bit, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm really good at learning in hindsight. 
I'm, uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? I'm pretty consistent at that. But beyond that, I'm not going to give myself much credit. There you go. Well, listen, I'm not going to tie you up tonight. We, you know, you've given us a huge amount of information. Anything you would like to to let us know before we close out tonight? The thing that I pride ourselves for, and I started to allude yet a while ago, is we're talking about the fact that I love to fish. Uh, I love sharing information. You know, I love sharing information with somebody who's fished longer than I have, who's better than I am, who's not as good as I am, who's in between. I don't care. You know, there's when I go do a seminar, you know, I figure that I I got a little more information than most of those folks do. But you know, I was just talking to some of my buddies and we were saying, you know, I was saying, you know, Sheldon, I said I go to some people and I look it out there and I see some of those guys and they've been fishing their neighborhood forever and I don't fish their neighborhood and you know, what right do I have to tell them something? But then I come to realize that I talk to everybody and try to teach everybody what I know. And almost every time, you're going to learn something. No matter how good you are, I'm going to give you some little trick or some little technique that you didn't think of before. And the reason why I'm going to do it, in some cases, is I figured it out. And in some cases, someone showed me, and I share it. You know, and I think that is the greatest thing in the world, to share your knowledge on this stuff. You know, we're having fun, but also to be able to share how to help people do it and to try to make them aware of the conservation end of it, too, because I've been fishing long enough now where I'm seeing fisheries way over abused. And, you know, it can be, it doesn't matter, in some cases commercial, in some cases recreational. And uh, people better realize that man's, man's, Trashing this uh, environment fast enough, and you need to appreciate what you got out there and love it, take care of it, and cherish it. Well, Mark, I have to agree with you, and I really appreciate you bringing that up because we here at Coastal Carolina Fishermen, we we believe the same thing. We just think that uh, you know if you don't take care of the fishery today, it just won't be there tomorrow. And uh, we also believe that the family should be involved in fishing because that's the the, the fishing future. Um, but I do appreciate your information tonight. It's always great. You pack so much information in a very, very short time, and it's always good. It's just you just kind of spill out all that experience, and that's uh, that's what we always look for. And uh, we thank you for your uh, for what you've done for the industry and for the business and for the the, uh, the actual sport of fishing. And uh, and again, thank you for your time tonight. And we look to talk to you again soon. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, keep in touch. You got it. Thank you, Mark.